Hey, this is Carl Anderson. I'm the senior pastor of Sierra Bible Church, and this is our sermons podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope that this message fills your soul with hope, helps you see the beauty of Jesus, and allows you to feel the love that God has for you. If you want more information about experiencing God's love for you personally, head over to sierrabible.org and contact one of our pastors. I love you, and I'm praying for you. Thank you, Steve, uh, for reading the scripture for us from the ESV, which now we all know means Eric's standard version. (laughs) Uh, If you brought your Bible, please open with me to that passage, 1 John chapter 3. We're going to be starting in verse 11 this morning uh, on this very heavy morning in receiving the news of the passing of Moose. And also, we already had it scheduled and built into Uh, the schedule for this morning that uh, Pastor Glenn, if you'll notice, he and his family are not here with us this morning. That is because uh, Pastor Glenn's wife, Jessica, his, her stepfather has been diagnosed with ALS and it's deteriorating quickly and they wanted to get down to Southern California to visit him as soon as possible so that you can keep the Bakel family also in your prayers this morning as well. Uh, but what I am encouraged by, even in the midst of the heaviness of this particular moment within the season and life of our church, is what, what I'm encouraged by is where God has us in His Word. If you were to take a bullseye and put it on the Bible, and if you were to even put that bullseye on the book of 1 John, and you wanted to reach back with an arrow and, like Legolas, shoot the arrow into the center of the bullseye of the book of John, you would land on this passage. Now, there are many ways in which the world describes, tries to categorize Christians. Uh, Some try to categorize Christians politically. They will say, well, Christians uh, should reveal themselves in the way that they vote. Uh, Others will say, will categorize Christians uh, culturally. They'll say something like, Christianity and Christians uh, abide by certain practices and celebrate holidays like Christmas and Easter. If you celebrate Christmas and Easter, then then you are a a Christian. Uh, Others, like uh, Jon Stewart, uh, the former host of The Daily Show, I remember one episode I was watching where he uh, saw a map of the world and he just tried to define Christians geographically and he, he would wave his hand over Western Europe and North America and he'd say, this region here looks awfully Christian. Or some try to describe Christianity and Christians in general socially. If most of your friends are Christians, then you yourself are a Christian. But the first John has wants to take issue with all of those definitions. The true mark of a believer in Jesus Christ, of someone who follows the path of Jesus, of someone who knows God spiritually, is not simply where you live geographically. It's not who you hang out with socially. It's not 
simply who you vote for politically, if you were to boil it down into the bullseye of what it means to live out your faith as a Christian, it would be this message from 1 John. You know how I love boiling down the message into just one sentence, so I have it for you this morning in this. Because we know God, if we do know God, if we have been born again by His Spirit, because we know God, we should love one another. It's as simple and as painstakingly obvious as that. Because we know God, we also, therefore, should love one another. How many of you have uh, children that you have messages to your children that you have declared to them since before they were born? Were you one of those dads that were over your uh, pregnant wife at the time declaring over them messages like, Walter Payton is the greatest running back of all time? Or declaring over them, the L.A. Dodgers are going to win the World Series and you will be a fan of them. I, I see the trot wines in the back are, have the thumbs down and are saying, boo, we do not do that. There are certain things in our family that, that we have tried to instill upon our children from the very beginning, since before they were born. And one of them is very simple. We love you. And our family loves one another. And since before they've been able to even comprehend the message, we've tried to instill within them that we as a family love one another and we hope and pray that you will also love us and be a part of this family. If we go all the way back to the beginning of creation, God had a similar message for, for humanity. Humanity was originally designed to live in the love of God and to express that love that God has for humans in love towards fellow humans. This was the very message from the very beginning of creation. And this is where John starts for us in verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. There are certain messages that God desires to communicate to his people from the very beginning. There's messages that he hasn't wavered on since before creation that will endure forever and ever. And this is one of them. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. It is the original intention and design of God that humanity would be able to receive his love and then express that love from God to one another. This is how we were originally designed. We are made, we are hardwired to receive love and give love. That is what it means to be an image bearer of God, to have this capacity and to express this capacity. So if this is our original design to receive love from God, to express love back to God, to express love for one another, then, then what then is the opposite of that? The opposite of love for God and love for one another is hatred towards God and hatred towards the people whom God created and loved. 
And we see right from the very beginning of the story in Genesis, as sin entered into the world through the deception of a serpent, and as uh, Adam and Eve brought about their sons, Cain and Abel, one offered expressions of love to God through a sacrifice, and others offered an expression that was not of God. And John highlights this in verse 12 to say this is antithetical to the message that God had from the very beginning in verse 12. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one. So if God desires for his image bearers to receive his love and express his love, the evil one wants to take that and twist it. So the one who is of the evil one does not express love towards God and love towards one another, but what does the one who is of the evil one do? Who is of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Make no mistake, brothers and sisters, where you see image bearers of God displaying utter hatred for other image bearers of God, you can be certain that there is evidence of the evil one's fingerprints. You can be certain if the manifestation of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a follower of God, is expressions of love towards God and God's, crea God's created image bearers, that you can see spiritually the very evidence and fingerprints of the evil one where hatred and murder flourish. And yet, we know this instinctively as followers of Christ. We, we know that we are designed and made to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We know and understand that this world is evil. And as Pastor Glenn taught us a number of weeks ago, that this world is filled with the lust of the eyes and the desires of the flesh and the pride of life and that these things do not come from God but are of the world. We know this from the Bible, and we know this from our own experience, yet we still have the same reaction that we need to hear from, first, from John today as they did thousands of years ago. Now, we live in this hysterical moment of world history, where it just seems like things are going crazy and getting crazier. It seems as if uh, being able to stand upon conviction and love other image bearers of God and pursue justice and act mercifully and do the things that God commands us to do is ever increasingly difficult. And yet, we still need to hear this same instruction that, that John gives to Christians in the first century because the same is true today. One of the things that has bothered me during the midst of this hysterical season is when Christians are taken aback by the way that the world treats Christians. A, a certain shock of like, you stand for life and truth? You stand for the dignity and, and, and equality of humanity even, even in the womb? 
And when we face opposition, to to be shocked that we would actually be opposed in that message. This is why John says, look, in verse 12, 13, excuse me, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Satan desires to give us a smorgasbord of the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the desires of the flesh. He desires to throw open all of the world's pleasures for all of humanity to indulge themselves in these things because he knows that that breeds contempt towards God and hatred for the brothers. He knows that, so he's just going to throw open all of the lust of the eyes, all the desires of the flesh, all of the pride of life to give you all that your sinful desires want. Because he knows that that's going to oppose, make make us enemies of God, make us haters of God along with him. And just like when a parent takes away a device from a teenager because he's going into inappropriate places and feeding his sinful flesh, just as when a a parent takes away that device for a time period that the teenager responds to their parents who have done the right, good, and loving thing in protecting that teenager from himself, just as the teenager responds with hatred towards their parents, so also the world responds with hatred hatred towards God when God's image bearers uh, collectively begin loving one another by speaking the truth and doing what God calls them to do. And what John is encouraging us is as you are walking in love for one another, as you are standing with conviction and courage to do what God has called you to do, brothers and sisters, do not be surprised that the world is going to hate you. Do not be surprised if the world responds to you the way that the teenager responds to their parents when they take away the device. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. And then John says, in fact, if this happens, this is only evidence to the world that you have passed from death to life. Look at verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death and into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. John is saying that the very fact that you are going out of your way to love other brothers and sisters in Christ with the truth and lead them in a way that is desirous of God's good and God's glory shows evidence to the world that you have passed out of death and you are walking in eternal life now. But John also wants to make sure that this isn't just a Facebook reality for you. What do I mean by that? That this isn't just something that you throw up on social media and say, I'm a Christian, I walk in the truth, I support these biblical causes, I I do things for, I, 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 I speak out against these particular things. I'm a believer in Jesus. John has a word for those who only speak things of truth but do not walk in the truth. He said, if you really want to love people, 
you got to have some skin in the game. If you really want to express the love of Jesus to other people, it's got to cost you something. And he points directly to the cross of Jesus Christ. Look at what it says in verse 16. By this, we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Talk is cheap. But the very fact that Jesus Christ, the very embodiment of love, gave his full life for people like you and me to make us his brothers and sisters shows that he's got skin in the game. Shows that he has actions to back up his claims of love and following God. And likewise, he gave himself fully for us. The practical implication then is spelled out in the second half of verse 16. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Now, you can go off and you can say, brother, sister in Christ, God loves you, Jesus loves you, and God is with you. And the Bible says, yes and amen, that is true. But God will also say of you, well, what, did that, what does that love cost you to express towards other people? For Jesus, it cost him his very own life. For us, it means we lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters to make sure that they are loved, provided for, cared for, nurtured, encouraged, walking in the truth. He even gets even more practical in verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods, money, finances, food, clothing, shelter, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother is in need and closes his heart against him, be warm, be well-fed, be encouraged, but does not do anything, verse 17, the second half, end of verse 17, how does God's love abide in him? In other words, he's, he's not saying that it's a sin to be wealthy. He's not saying that it's a sin to have financial means. But he is very clearly saying that if you have financial means, that if you have food and shelter and good health, that those resources need to be flowing towards people in need, especially your brothers and sisters, to display that Christ has given everything for me, and now I am willing to open up the generosity of my heart to make sure that my brothers and sisters in Christ are provided for as well as a tangible expression of God's love. And he summarizes it with a capstone verse in verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. We're called to love one another tangibly. There needs to be physical expressions of our love for one another that displays to the world the love of Jesus is abiding in the hearts of that believer. Married men in the room, we know talk is cheap, don't we? We know we can write the Valentine's Day card. We know we can send the text message. We know we can put the little heart emoji on uh, our wife's social media, uh, Instagram or Facebook account. But if we get home and there's dirty dishes and we just go to sleep, those messages do not translate, do they? If she's off at work all day 
at a job working really hard and we can't make the bed while she's away? Talk is cheap. Let us not love one another in word or, in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. When this shows itself most clearly, I have noticed, is in times of tragedy. Have you ever seen this happen in times of tragedy where someone loses a loved one? The weight of the world is upon somebody's shoulder and they're in shock, grieving, not knowing what to do, not having a word to say. Just not, Their entire world is, is flipped upside down. And you've seen people do this. Perhaps some of you have done it. I have done it earlier on in my life as well. They're, they're grieving and you feel bad and you want to try to help in some way. So you say to them this line, let me know if there's anything I can do. And then we feel better about ourselves and we move on with our life, don't we? In true tragic situations, when your world has been flipped upside down, you can't communicate what you need. You're unable to say exactly what you need at that particular time. That's one of the, the very natural byproducts of being in a tragic situation. So the test, brothers and sisters, of this particular verse is, do you know people, brothers and sisters in Christ, well enough to where when their world does get flipped upside down, you don't even have to ask. You just begin loving them tangibly, getting things set up in their life to help them during their time of grief where they don't have to say a word to you because you know exactly what they need. Brothers and sisters, that's the type of love that John is expressing. And brothers and sisters, I want that for us as a body. I saw it just about a year ago. One of our brothers in Christ, who's a member of our church, passed away. His wife was completely in shock. Wasn't in meaning, deep and meaningful community, community with very many people. One sister in Christ got word of that, that her husband had passed away and she did not ask, hey, what do you need? She got to work. She made phone calls with the church. She made phone calls to people in her life. She set up, eventually got another person to set up a meal train so that, that, that they would be taken care of. Brothers and sisters, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. The question for you, the very simple application question for you, is do you know people well enough at Sierra Bible Church that if their world got flipped upside down, you would know instinctively what they need. And if not, begin building those relationships now. Begin knowing and understanding who is here and who is God has called you to love and minister alongside of. Now, some of you are saying, Carl, that's a tall order. I can never live up to that standard. There's no possible way that I can love people the way that Jesus has loved me. And you probably, by this message, feel condemned just in yourself. You're like, I'm not very good at loving people tangibly. That's not my spiritual gift. And you feel condemned just by me sharing this message. Well, John understands, and so do I. And that's why he tells them that when your heart condemns you for not living up to this standard, trust in the character of God. Look at where he goes in verse 8, 19. 
By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, I didn't love that person the way I was supposed to love them. I didn't say what I needed to say. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. My heart feels condemned and defiled. Verse 20, for whenever our heart condemns us, pick yourself up by the bootstraps and try harder. Don't worry, you'll get another chance next time. Is that the, is that the moral improvement, self-help that John is giving to him? No, look at what it says. God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. When your heart condemns you that you haven't done enough, you haven't loved enough, you haven't obeyed enough, put your hope and trust in the faithfulness of God. He's greater than your heart. Put your hope and trust in the faithfulness of God who has demonstrated once and for all for you his own love in this. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. And he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is the commandment that we believe in the name of the Lord Jesus, his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and in God, and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. We know that we love one another by abiding in the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of God's word towards us. If I'm asleep at three in the morning and all of a sudden I hear a knock outside on the door, I go downstairs and I open it. It's a complete stranger. I have no previous knowledge or understanding of who this person is. And this person says to me, give me your car keys. I have an emergency. I got to go. What am I going to tell to that stranger? Get lost, buddy. Go to the bagel's house. <laughs> they got an extra car. And here's the keys to his car. <laughs> no, I would not give him the keys to my car. I, I, he's a stranger. I don't know him. He might go crash it into wherever. But if my son or daughter at 3 a.m. comes running into my room screaming, there's an emergency, i got to go to the hospital. You better believe that I'm getting in my car, bringing them to the hospital as soon as possible. What's the difference? The difference is the relationship. My son and my daughter live under my authority. They live in my house. They, they know and they abide by my commands and they listen and know me. They, they respect me and I love them back and would give my very own life for them. A stranger I have no knowledge of. Brothers and sisters, the, the same is true with our relationship to God. If you know God and you are in Christ, you are in his household and you can ask for him whatever you want, in accordance with his will. And he'll throw open the floodgates of his love and his mercy and his empowerment to give you all that you need, both in this life and in the next. 
But if you don't know Christ, if you're outside of the house, and you're just saying, God, give me a new job. God, provide for this so that I can fill my life with some sort of meaning or purpose apart from you. God is going to say, stranger, enter into my house through the door of my son, Jesus Christ. Become a family member. And then all that you desire will be found in me and I'll throw open the floodgates of all of my goodness and mercy towards you. Brothers and sisters, some of us are strangers outside the house even though they're in the church here this morning. Some of us don't have a meaningful relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And today is the day that God is inviting you to walk in through that door. It takes a willingness to walk away from seeking love and affection in other places apart from God. And it, and it means repenting of that lifestyle and, and, that, and those sins and embracing the love of God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. Others of us here have known Jesus for years, but are struggling. Don't know where to go, don't know what to do. Let this word be an encouragement to you that you are in the family of God. In this family, we love each other, not just in word or in talk, but tangibly with expressions of love and faithfulness to one another that reflect our Father's love for us. And one day it will all be made clear why these things are happening in this particular season. But until that day, press into abiding in God's Word, in His family, and know that He loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for the opportunity we have to live eternal life now in the family of God. God, we thank you that you have given us all that we need for life and faithfulness here and now as we deepen meaningful relationships in your church. Help us, God, to, to love one another tangibly. Help us, O oh God, to abide in your word, love each other in, with, with tangible expressions of, of faithfulness that you have expressed towards us in Christ. Help us, O oh God, to walk in your truth, to love one another well, and to be members of your household. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.